Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek, 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Buymeacoffee.com, backslash sscast, patreon.com, slash single simulcast. You know, we have reached the end of the road on this book, and I'm not quite ready for it to end. I'm like getting choked up. Because after this, I gotta go back to the cartel. And I am so worried about what's gonna happen. Oh my god. So, we're gonna live it up in the moments we have left for good old Bobby Z. Alright, you with me? Also, leave a review on Podchaser. Cool thing about leaving a review on Podchaser is that you can leave a review for the show as a whole... Or each separate episode. Y'all need to start leaving episode reviews. Because, you know, I'm good for it. Chapter 69. Nice. When Tim pulls up the Blue Lantern Street, there's a limo already parked there. Darkened window so Tim can't see in. But he's pretty sure Kit's in the car. Big fucking hump of a Mexican with a lump in his jacket points down Bluffside Walk. Tim checks the view out as he walks down. It's misty in the early morning, but you can still make out the harbor below, even though you can't see individual boats yet. He can only hope like hell that one way is on that damn boat with the money. Tim goes down some steps where he can see three concrete arches that look funny just sitting there. Like someone took a piece of grease or something and plopped it down in Dana Point. What's left from someone's wet dream after the crash. Tim knows how the poor loser felt, especially because some guy standing at the near end of the bridge. Guy takes him by the arm and leads him off the walkway, under the bridge, where no one can see, Tim thinks, so he knows he's in for an ass-kicking. There's a little flat spot under the bridge, a square of dirt worn down by people coming to drink, screw, smoke dope, or all of the above. There's a residual smell of stale piss and beer. Spot is perched at the end of a steep ravine. At the bottom, big date palms rise up through boulders. It's going to be an ugly fall, Tim thinks. A little knot of people standing under the bridge. Guy in a gray suit, three bodyguards in dark suits, and Elizabeth. 
The guys in the dark suits all have shades on, and they're talking in a little bodyguard microphones, just like in the movies. Tim knows they're cutting the walk off. Ain't no civilians going to take a stroll on this part of the bluff walk until the business is over. Elizabeth looks like shit. She's dressed to fucking kill, Tim sees, but her green eyes look dull. Tim's seen the look before, on the yard, just before some guy gets it. She steps up and throws her arms around him, and Tim knows without anyone saying anything that she set him up. Thank God you came, she whispers in his ear. She kisses his cheek and holds him tight, and Tim braces for the shot he knows he's going to take. It comes right behind the ear, and smooth as shit, the second Mexican slips his gun from him before his knees hit the ground. Tim sees Elizabeth's spinning face mouth, I'm sorry. You're sorry, Tim thinks. Chapter 70 Escobar's troops are out early. They're out here like hounds with a scent because the car's been spotted heading south from Laguna on the PCH. Which is good news for Escobar's troops because Dana Point has a barrio just off the PCH, up the hill from the harbor. So there's a friggin' platoon of young Chicanos walking the town looking for the car. Some of them are on bikes, S.A., because they're too young to drive. And they're all juice because the rumor is that DFN is on his way from East L.A. And the word is out. Don't anybody lose his cool and blow it, S.A. Don't nobody decide to be a hero and go on blasting. Because even if Bobby Z don't take you out, Luis Escobar will. You blow the shot for DFN Cruz. It's two older boys with a ride that are cruising slow along Santa Clara, and one of them jerks his head over to the Blue Lantern and laughs. Check it out. And they can't, like, fucking believe it because the car is just sitting out there in the open like this guy has some cojones, S.A. Next to a big black limo. So the guys, they punch in Cruz's number and then get out the car to check it out. The limo driver... He reached into his jacket as the two men come up, and they put their hands up by their shoulders and just ask, What's happening? Driver has some stones himself, because what he says is, What's happening is you gonna get your ass away from here is what's happening. One of the cruisers, he says, We just want to take a walk, S.A. And the limo driver answers, Take a walk in the other direction. So they do. They smile and move backwards slowly to show that they're not afraid. They get back in the car and DFN Cruz's driver checks in and they tell him, get over here, S.A. Something's going down. So Cruz starts putting his piece together and checking the site. And the driver hustles the car towards Santa Clara and Blue Lantern. And the two cruisers, they pull out and cruise down Santa Clara to Golden Lantern where they can get into the park from the other side because they just know that the legendary Bobby Z must be doing some business on the bluff side walk. And they want to be there when DFN Cruz does Bobby's business, essay. Chapter 71 The great Bobby Z, Huertero says. The legend. Don Huertero, he shakes his head, then kicks Tim in the face. One Gucci fucking loafer right between the eyes, square on the nose where it joins the skull. One inch either way with that pointed toe and Tim loses an eye. But this way, it only breaks his nose. So he can still see through blurry eyes as Swartero yanks his head up by the hair. 
glares at him, coughs up a big ball of phlegm and spits in Tim's eyes. Tim can feel the warm spit merge with the blood oozing warmly down his face and with the tears because his eyes are overflowing. And while he isn't exactly crying, he isn't exactly not crying either. Wartero jerks his hand away. One of his boys is quick with a handkerchief. Wartero wipes his hand to toss the handkerchief on the floor. Tim manages to find Elizabeth with his eyes and asks, Where's Kit? In the limo, she says. He's all right. Then she adds, like she's begging him, I'm sorry, Bobby. I had to. Of course she did, he thinks. She knew I was going to get nailed one way or the other, so she has to do what's best for the kid. Save herself so she could be a mother to the boy. It's cool, he says. Your son? Huartero asks. Yes. Huartero nods silently and seems to lapse into thought. Tim figures he's thinking about how to whack him. But he ain't going down quite yet. I have your three million, Tim says to Huartero. Huartero raises an eyebrow and smiles. Encouraged, Tim adds what he knows. It's on a boat in Dana Point Harbor. Right down there. Give me my son and we can walk right down and get it. Is that so? I want to pay you back, Tim says. One of my men... Huartero bends down and slaps Tim so hard it knocks him over. When Tim opens his eyes, Huartero's standing over him, his face red and angry. You talk to me about money? Huartero yells. You dare talk to me about money? You stole my treasure. Tim's confused as hell, and he hears Elizabeth murmur, Oh, shit. Then Huartero says, You stole my child. What the fuck? Huartero adds, You stole my daughter. I don't know. And you killed her. Tim's like fucking reeling. And yes, Don Huartero says, you will pay me back. And Huartero launched into the story of Angelica Huartero de Montezon. Chapter 72 Her father's treasure. His only child. No male children to carry on the line. The one sadness of Huartero's life. But then there was Angelica. His angel. Born to marry some young Hidalgo and carry on the blood, if not the name. A beautiful child, this his angel, with hair as soft and black as a Sonoran night, and eyes of pure starshine. A smile that brought the sun to him, a laugh that made the air sing. A beautiful child. Growing to womanhood, his Angelica, and as she grew, she developed the strong will of her father rather than the docile compliance of her mother. It infuriated him, but made him proud, her strong, stubborn will, and he had to admit that he could refuse her nothing. Not toys or dolls or jewelry or friends or dangerous horses or dangerous men. He tried to keep her away from his business. He did. 
but how to give her the riches he made without exposing her to the seamy shadows? Had she been more compliant, less spirited perhaps, he might have managed to keep her in, to lock her up inside the hacienda and let her be trained to the domestic arts. But she had the spirit, this Angelica, the proud spirit of Hidalgo, of countless generations of conquistadors, and she was born to ride in Rome, and he acknowledged that. As with the spirited horse, one tries to guide, to let it run but choose the fields, as he tried to choose her friends, and he liked Elizabeth and Olivia, even though they came from the drug demimonde. They were courtesans, after all, were they not? Sophisticated college girls, smart enough to keep up with Angelica, loyal enough to protect her. Had he not even, as it were, sampled Elizabeth? Taken her to bed and sensed her spirit, rewarded her with a generous stipend and a secret job. The days of black grape chaperones were long gone, he knew. But perhaps Elizabeth could keep an eye on Angelica? Be as much as one could in these modern times, a chaperone to this modern girl. They roam the world, these three. Three spirited young ladies with wealth and breeding. But these are different times, freer times. And one would have to be a fool not to acknowledge that reality. And he had told her, his angel, his wild child, that she may have her wild years, her parties, her dances, her shopping sprees. She may go on the cruises, shop in Paris, dance in Rio, flip from club to club in Cap Ferrat, in Cannes, in Manhattan, in Los Angeles. She may play the Anglo princess, but deep inside, she must remain a Latina. She must, no matter what her loose Anglo friends did, remain a virgin until she married. And that man will be a Mexican. A Mexican and not a hated Yankee. And then she met Bobby Z. He could never forgive Elizabeth for that. Could never fully take her in again. For Elizabeth should have stopped it. Or at least come to him so he could have stopped it. He would have forgiven her too. Taken in his fallen angel even though she was ruined. And brought her home to him. His hopes for a good marriage dashed by the fall of his high-flying child. He still would have cherished her, and they could have spent their years together as the last of their family. Had he only known that they were Bobby Z's harem, the three girls, Elizabeth and the poor drug-addicted fool Olivia, and yes, Angelica. But of the three, only Angelica fell in love. Only Angelica had the tragic purity of heart to fall hopelessly in love. She alone could not give herself to a man without giving herself to a man. But you destroyed her, he said to Tim. Tim shook his head. You used her the way a man might use a whore and you left her, Hortero said. Her heart was broken. Her spirit was broken. Her soul was broken. I tried to touch her, to reach her, but she knew that she was not the girl that I had raised. She couldn't face me in her humiliation at your hands. She could not look me in the eye. And then she disappeared from me. She disappeared. I had her tracked to Los Angeles, 
to New York to Europe for months. Then she simply disappeared. Why? I asked myself. Why? I summoned Elizabeth here and finally heard the truth of what you had done. Heard that you had had her, used her, played with her, led her to believe that you loved her, and then left her. Tossed her away like garbage. And that is how she felt. No wonder she couldn't stand to look me in the face. And you talked to me of money. Tim braced himself for the kick that didn't come. Realized the horror terror was too deep inside himself to lash out. That would come later. When they found her, it was in Crete, horror terror said softly. She had died of a heroin overdose. Can you imagine a better way to punish her father than to die of an overdose of Mexican brown? I could see her lying on that cold stone floor. In her own vomit and her own shit. I see this every time I close my eyes for six endless years. For six long years I ask why? And then I find out it was you. He pulls a pistol from his silk jacket. Tim flinches when the cold metal touches the front of his skull. Look at me, Hortero says. Tim looks up. He's trying not to shake, but it isn't working. He jumps at the sound of the hammer clicking back. We will meet in hell, Bobby Z, Hortero says. Tim sees the man's finger tighten on the trigger. Just do it, he thinks. Nike time. Over. Just do it. He hears Elizabeth soft sobbing. Waits for the big bang. Closes his eyes and sees Kit smile. Chapter 73 Life hasn't been good to asshole Wayne LaPerrier. Like, he's been long overdrawn in the bank of karma, but he never thought it would come to this. Room service fucking waiter at the fucking Ritz-Carlton. Which was the idea, you know, so he could spot those rich dickheads too stupid to put their valuables in a safe deposit box at the front desk. Humiliating, bringing omelets to fine Arabs and smoked salmon fettuccine to rich assholes who somehow, sometimes didn't even bother to stop fucking in the bedroom when he sets the tray in the sitting room but remunerative when he could turn Almato onto a score and get a piece. And sometimes he got a look at some tit or some pussy. And once he even thought he was going to get laid, but her limp dick husband came wheezing in. So it wasn't all that bad. But on this particular morning, asshole Wayne LePerrier almost swallowed his teeth when he went to deliver a goddamn fucking early morning coffee and croissant and Tim Kearney standing there. Now, the last time Wayne had seen Kearney was when he picked him up from the joint and did a gas and grub on the way to a bar where they got drunk and arrested. And what Wayne did was Wayne got right on the train the detective offered and put the gun in Tim's hand and walked away with nine months on the farm. Last person in the goddamn world Wayne wants to see is Tim Kearney, who Wayne heard was in the deepest of possible shit having slicked a very large hell's angel named Stink Dog in the yard. But there's fucking Tim at the fucking Ritz-Carlton, real as life. Longer hair and gained a little weight, maybe, 
but it's Kearney. And Wayne slips his hand under the linen napkin and reaches for the knife. But Tim doesn't recognize him. Asshole Wayne LaPerrier can't fucking believe it. But the arrogant bastard doesn't recognize his old best friend. Just juts his chin and says, set it over there. And goes back to shaving. And some guy in the bathroom is yelling to eat his fucking croissant in a fucking hurry because they gotta get to the fucking harbor. And Tim tells the guy to go fuck himself. And goes on shaving like Wayne's invisible. Uppity son of a bitch. If Kearney, who's as big of a loser as was ever born, is ordering up room service at the fucking Ritz-Carlton, he has to be on a very large score. And the least he could do is share with his old buddy, Wayne thinks. Who the fuck gave him a ride home from the joint? Kearney's own parents wouldn't pick him up, but there was old Wayne. And how does Kearney treat him now? Like some loser, that's how. Fucking Kearney's too good for him now. So asshole Wayne LePerrier is like steaming as he goes back to the kitchen. He's pissed and he throws his little waiter jacket to the floor and says he quits this asshole job. And what Wayne does is he goes right out to a phone booth and calls an angel buddy who sells him some meth from time to time and says, Don't you guys have a beef with Tim Kearney? Yeah, what about it? His buddy says. He's at the Ritz-Carlton. And the fucking angel like snorts and says, Tim fucking Kearney is not at the fucking Ritz-Carlton. And laughs, which makes Wayne all the matter. Yeah, well then I saw a fucking ghost, Wayne says. Anyway, in case you're interested, he's going to the harbor. And his buddy says, You didn't see a ghost. You saw a fucking dead man. A few minutes later, there's an army of bikers headed for Dana Point Harbor. And asshole Wayne LaPerrier, he's happy and relieved that Tim Kearney is about to be a dead fucker. Because it really takes a load off his mind. Chapter 74 Hortero's hand quivers. Then his finger lets up on the trigger. Hortero's shaking his head. It's not enough, Huertero says sadly, and Tim figures like is going to shoot him in the belly and leave him or set him on fire or something. He's getting ready for it when he hears Huertero order, get the boy. Here's Elizabeth shriek, no! One of Huertero's boys grabs her and clamps a hand over her mouth. Huertero lifts his chin, looks in Tim's eyes and says, a child for a child. You will watch, and then perhaps I will give you the mercy of death. Tim lunges for him, but Huertero's boys are too quick, too good. When they let Tim up, he sees Kit standing there, looking so scared. Don't do this, Tim says to Huertero. It's horrible, isn't it? Huertero says. Horrible even to contemplate. I've met some low motherfuckers in my life. Tim says. Huertero gestures for them to take the boy to the edge of the ravine. Tim imagines the bullet in the back of the head and Kit's body flying off the edge. He isn't my kid, Tim says. Yes, I am, Kit shouts. 
Hortero kneels next to the boy. Son, he whispers, his words a fatherly caress. You will tell me the truth and I will spare this man's life. Who is your father? Kit, Tim warns, but Hortero's man clamps a hand over his mouth. Kit looks Hortero in the eye and says proudly, Bobby Z is my father. This man? And Kit looks at Tim with the look that Tim recognizes as like, pure love, man. And says, yes. Hortero looks at Tim and asks, would you deny such a brave son? Hortero puts his arm around the boy and ushers him towards the bridge. Kit balks, tears himself from Hortero's arms and attacks the man holding Tim. Goes through the back of his neck and tries to haul him off his father. Bites, scratches, kicks and punches. Screams, let my daddy go! And wells away and Tim's just trying to reach around and hold the boy's arms. Just hold him so at least they'll have to do them both and maybe he can hold his hands over Kit's eyes as they fall. Be X-Men or something so it won't be real until the kid wakes up in heaven. But he can't hold on and he feels the kid slipping away from him. Kit's played out, and when Tim can get his head turned to see, one of Hortero's men has the boy in a bear hug. Both the kid's feet are off the ground and kicking, like a hangman's feet. You look for me in hell, Tim tells Hortero. I'll be coming for you. You haven't seen hell yet, Hortero says. Daddy, help me! Kit screaming, and Hortero smiles at Tim as if to say, that's hell. And Tim reaches for him, but can't get there. As they carry the boy to the edge, they lever Tim's head up so he has to watch. Elizabeth says to Hortero, you won't hurt the boy. <laughs> you underestimate my grief. He's your grandson. Everything stops. Chapter 75. Escobar's put the whole move into a freeze. He's got a net thrown around the bluff side walk, and no one, not even the legendary ghost man Bobby Z, is getting out of there. So Escobar's standing on a knoll with DFN Cruz, and Cruz is checking out every possible firing angle. And Cruz, he's in heaven. Escobar, he's looking down at that harbor. He can see the whole thing, and as usual, he's thinking ahead. And what he's thinking is that Bobby Z is a dope smuggler who's been bringing his product in from the sea. And what's good for bringing in is good for getting out. So Escobar decides it's a good bet that Bobby's going to finish his business and get on one of those boats. He points this possibility out to DF and Cruz, and they talk it over like two professional men. How Cruz can get his shot on whatever dock Bobby has to walk down to get on his boat. If he misses, Escobar says, talking over DFN Cruz's objection, the boat has a long way to go to get away. Boat has a pull out of the slip, then Cruz slowly on the inside of the long stone jetty that forms an oval ring around the harbor. A long way inside that quiet strip of water, then under a bridge until it gets to open water. Can you hit that far? He asks Cruz. Won't have to, Cruz says. 
That's not what I asked you. I can hit that far. Escobar's getting anxious. Would it be better from the bridge? He asks. Cruz shakes his head. It will be a good shot, he admits. But I want to get away. Everyone and his fucking mother would see you shoot from that bridge. You'd have to be a crazy motherfucker to shoot from that bridge. He doesn't say that to Escobar, though. Escobar is an intelligent man, but a little uptight right now. Besides, there's a whole line of bikers sitting on that bridge, and the last thing Cruz wants now is a hassle with a bunch of bikers. I'll take the shot here, Cruz says. Death from nowhere. Chapter 76 She was pregnant, Elizabeth said. That's why she ran from you. She was afraid. I tried to get her to have an abortion, but she wouldn't. So we concocted a plan. She would go away and have the baby as Olivia. Everyone would believe it. Olivia was the most promiscuous of us. Olivia would help raise the baby as the awkward result of one of many affairs. I would help. It worked as far as it went. We fooled everybody. But poor Angelica. You were right. She couldn't fool herself. She yearned for Bobby. She yearned for her son. She would have taken the boy back, but she was so afraid of your anger. Afraid of what you would do. Elizabeth juts her chin towards the bridge. She was half afraid that you would kill the child. Kill my grandson? Hortero blinks. Me, Carnal? Elizabeth looks at the thug holding Kit and snaps, Put that boy down. Kit runs to Tim and throws his arms around him, digs his face into the man's chest to hide. Olivia couldn't raise a kid, Elizabeth snorts. Olivia couldn't raise a houseplant. I should have known that. Her eighth rehab or whatever, and I was planning to take him myself. Then he shows up and I thought, you know, fuck it. He should know he has a kid. A grandson, Wartero mumbles. His eyes fill, then overflow with tears. He's weeping as he says, A grandson. A treasure. Tim can't believe, like, what the fuck he's hearing and why Elizabeth didn't mention this tidbit maybe a little earlier. And the next thing he knows, Hortero's sitting on the ground beside him trying to get Kit's attention, saying, You'll have everything. Toys, boats, games, horses. You'll have a stable of horses to ride. You'll be like a prince from a fairy tale. We'll ride together early in the mornings and I'll tell you stories of your ancestors and how they conquered Mexico and how they fought the Comanches and the Apaches and the Yankees. And you will have a sweet woman to teach you Spanish. And Elizabeth will be your nanny. Would you like that? He's reaching around and trying to hold the boy or just to touch him. But Kit clings to Tim and buries his head further into his chest. Blood drips from Tim's nose onto the boy's hair. Hortero gets up and tries to brush the dirt from his slacks. Take the boy, he orders. The boy stays with me, Tim says. Take your money and go. Hortero just smiles and says, Take the boy.
Slip ZZ, Tim says. The nowhere. You could be on it and out of here, but leave me the boy. Elizabeth starts to say something, but Tim snaps, shut the fuck up. Because he like knows it's over. Knows where Terrell's going to get the kid and the money and whack him. And the kid's going to have a rich, shitty life, but at least he can go through it knowing his father wanted him. Ain't that much for a kid to ask. I'll go with you, Kit says to Ortero. I want to go with you. Kit, Tim says. He hears Kit saying, if you don't kill him. Kit's a smart, tough little fucker. And he's saying, you can't take me if I don't want to go. I'll start screaming and yelling and you can't stop me. And, and I'll tell him you kidnapped me and you'll go to jail. Tim figures Swartero will like freak. But the old fucker like beams and says, the boy has spirit. The boy is serious, Kit says. And the boy sat up a lot of late nights watching movies on television because the boy says, I want a letter from him every year and him and I have a code so I'll know if it's fate. As long as he's alive, I'll stay with you. You have your mother's blood, Wartero says. And my dad's, Kit says. Wartero solemnly sticks out his hand and Kit shakes it. We have an understanding, Wartero says. My word of honor. Word of honor, Kit says. And Tim doesn't say anything because he wants the kid to think what he wants to think. Like he saved his daddy's life. But Tim knows where Terrell's honor is worth absolute shit. But there's Kit standing in front of him trying to be brave. And Tim puts his arms out and the kid hugs him. And Tim whispers, I love you. And Kit whispers, I love you too. And it's like, fuck brave because they're both crying. And the next thing Tim knows, Elizabeth taking Kit by the hand and taking him away. And Tim touches Kit's fingers and then they're gone. And Tim's kneeling in the dirt, crying. On the way to the car, Hortero mutters to his head honcho. After we get on the boat, kill him. The man nods. I'll wait here. Hortero shakes his head. You won't have to, he says. He'll be coming. See? See, Hortero thinks. Hortero knows men. He knows that man will be coming. A son such as that? The man will be coming for him. And while he's saying this, lifetime loser Tim Kearney is letting himself slide over the edge of the ravine, toward the top of the palm trees, toward the sharp rocks. Tim Kearney doesn't care. Tim Kearney's sick of losing. Semper Fi, man. Chapter 77 One way is getting the boat ready. Feels good to him, too. Feels like old times, and it's coming back to him, the lines and the rigging. He spent the night working on the engine, getting it humming and throbbing, and one way has to wonder what he's been doing all these years in between. It's been like one long weird trip, you know, and now he's ready to leave it behind. Sail away, man, from the Hotel California. So he's standing on the deck, looping the spare lines in the neat coils, feeling the sun on the back of his neck, and he's waiting for Bobby to come and hand the money over so they can leave it all behind. Him and Bobby and Bobby's woman and kid, and one way is blissed out on the thought of teaching the young Z how to sail. 
Then he sees them coming and alarms go off in his head because Bobby isn't with them. A long black limo like a hearse pulls up and the boss Mexican gets out with a bodyguard and a woman and a kid. And one way only has to get a glance at the kid to know it's the little Z. And here they come walking down the dock towards the boat. But Bobby isn't with them. The old Mexican looks at him and pushes the kid onto the boat and orders, Take him below! So one way does. But the boss man Mexican stays on the dock. Like he's waiting for something. One way is getting pins and needles through his stomach. Something's real wrong here, so he runs below and starts the engine in case they have to get out of here quick. And when he comes back up, he sees Bobby's come onto the deck with Garuza coming up behind him. And Escobar and DFN Cruz up on the bluff, and the Angels on the bridge, they all see the same thing. DFN Cruz has a crosshair straight on Bobby's back. And the Angels have the AR-15s laying on the rail of the bridge. And Huartero's man, he has his pistol drawn. And Bobby, he seems to feel it because he stops and turns around. Just as Tim Kearney staggers out from the ravine. He's standing at the base underneath the big palm and he looks straight across at the dock. And his eyes meet Bobby's ears for just a second. They give each other the funniest damn look. And then Tim hears Gruza screaming, No! And suddenly, Tim gets the whole damn setup. Like Gruza set him up to take the rap for Bobby Z. And Gruza and Z go sailing away with the three million. So it's like this sudden moment of enlightenment. And then, wham! The world opens up. Like one second Z is standing there, and the next second he just like dissolves, man. So many rounds hit him from so many angles. And he's just gone. And Gruza, Gruza, man, he sees Don Huertero standing there between him and his money, and he goes for his gun as Huertero's man goes for his reload. And Huertero's man is a beat faster. Gruza goes down on that dock, but is like too fucking mean to die before he puts two shots into Huertero's man, who staggers out the dock into the water. One way hears all this, and all he knows is he has Bobby's son to protect, and he starts the engine. Comes up on deck and starts to pull the nowhere out of that slip and head towards the open water, because Bobby is dead. One way can see what's left of his body on the dock, and one way knows he has to get that kid to safety somewhere. And safety for any son of Bobby Z is on the water. So the boat starts pulling out and the old Mexican in the suit starts to get on board. But Bobby's woman has a blade that flashes like a sunbeam down his face from his forehead to his chin. Hortero's standing there looking at his own blood flowing into his hands when Elizabeth plunges the knife into his chest. And she just stands there waiting for the cops. And she's not going to have long to wait because the sirens are already blaring. It's like fucking chaos in Dana Point Harbor. Escobar's crew is speeding out of town in the knowledge that they've avenged their carnal. And DFN Cruz is happy but a little weirded out because the target looks so much like that crazy fucker from the Gulf whose name he can't remember. And the angels are roaring off that bridge. Just dumped their weapons in the harbor and now they're riding off like the San Berdu or someplace to celebrate the death of Tim Kearney and the fact that their brothers can now party in hell. And one way, he's tired of the chaos. He just wants to get out of fucking California, man. Out of the trip. And he has a job to do. 
a lifelong job, which is to take care of Z's kid and Z's woman. So he jumps off the boat, grabs the woman, and hauls her on board. Then steers the nowhere out towards the open ocean while Bobby's woman holds Bobby's crying kid. As the siren well and the cop car skid into the harbor, one way just calmly steers the nowhere under the bridge and out to the open sea. To like disappear with the legend of Bobby Z. Tim watched the boat go. Stands there and watches the boat slip away and head for the open water. Knows he's lost again. Because there's like no way that boat can come back into the harbor to pick him up. And they all get away. Cops like fucking everywhere because there's bodies all over the place. And dead bodies draw flies and cops. So Tim is like stuck. Of course he thinks. Of fucking course. But he's seen Elizabeth and Kit get on the boat. And there's lots of money on the boat and they'll live happily ever after with one way. And the smart thing to do is to forget about them. And he's thinking like, go boat, go. Get the hell out of here. And besides, he thinks, I'm dead. Whichever the fuck person I am, I'm dead. Tim Kearney's dead and Bobby Z's dead. So it looks like I get a fresh start. Head up to Oregon. Get a new name and a new life. Because the money and the woman and the kid would have been nice. Would have been a dream, man. But losers don't get dreams. Losers have to settle for real life. And now, at least I got one of those. So he watched the boat sail away. Figures he'll watch it until it disappears over the horizon. Then creep back into that jungle of a ravine and disappear. That would be the smart thing to do. Then he figures like, fuck that, and starts to run. Starts to jog towards the harbor and the stone jetty. No one's going to notice another jogger on the beach in California, man. The cops are too happy with the bodies and the ambulances and shit. And the crowd forming over there? And so Tim just jogs right past it towards the jetty. Gets on those rocks and starts hustling towards the ocean. Towards the boat. And now he's slipping and falling on those rocks and the waves are crashing and threatening to take him off. But he keeps going. And no one looks up. Not the cops, or the ambulance attendants, or the joggers, or even the surfers braving the big waves on the other side of the jetty. Chapter 79 It's Kit that sees him, of course. Kit's standing on the deck, sobbing into Elizabeth's stomach, and he looks out and sees him running on the jetty. And Kit yells a one-way. Who looks over, and this ain't no trip, man, but Bobby Z's risen from the dead. Risen from the dead and running towards the open ocean. And one way pulls on a couple of lines and tells Elizabeth to pull on a line. And she and the kid are tugging away and the sails come up. And one way has that boat turned around and he's steering it to run parallel with the jetty. Tim, he's working his way down the rocks now. Trying to find a place where he can jump into the water. And it's a scary fucking jump from anywhere on those big sharp rocks into that surf. And Tim stands there trying to get the courage. Because he can't swim. Lifelong loser, world class fuck up Tim Kearney has come this far. From the middle of the desert to the edge of the earth. And he can't make the last hundred or so yards because it's water.
and the boat can't come closer because it'll crash into the rocks. Tim sees Kit on the deck of the boat, jumping up and down and waving his arms, and he thinks he can hear the boy yelling, Come on! And he jumps. Light just fucking flies over the rocks into the surf and starts to go down. And he doesn't know what the fuck is going to happen to him. What happens is that lifelong loser, world-class fuck-up Tim Kearney, gets lucky for once in his fucked-up life. What happens is that there's a goofy-footed surfer out there trying to catch the point break, and he's a cocky little bastard. Thinks he's going to be the next Bobby Z, man. He thinks he's that good. So sure of himself, he doesn't even have his leash on because this kid doesn't think he can fall. So he's sliding across the roof of this right-breaking wave. He's on top of the world. He's going to be the next Z. But then, he wipes out big time. And his board, his board just goes flying. Shoots up into the blue sky like it was a missile, man. And lands flat in the water in front of Tim Kearney who's just smart enough to climb on board. How Tim gets to the boat is that he climbs on that board and starts to paddle like hell. Paddles like hell and holds on for life over the top of the swells, just riding those waves, man. Not in, but out. And only lets go when Kit and Elizabeth grab him and hauls him onto the deck of the nowhere. Three lifelong losers and a kid on that boat. A life sentence, Tim thinks, as he rolls around the deck with the kid in his arms, and that treacherous, lovely woman looks on crying, and that wonderful, goddamn lunatic smiles and steers the boat. I'm doing life. Later that day, miles away on the open ocean, the setting sun turned the boat and everything around it into the purest gold. 916 Six three three one five three seven, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. You can leave a review on Podchaser. Uh, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com uh, slash single simulcast. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And if you're listening on Good Pods, you can tip us uh, just by going to the tip jar. All money goes towards getting new books and movies because, you know, I do hindsight as well. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to at you later. Peace. Fucking love this book. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,